Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Good evening, Rush Nation. It's Murph back. It's uh, week nine review heading into week 10 of the NFL season. And I always get baffled at how quickly the season goes and it's rolling along even quicker than ever. Uh, no uh, Dan tonight, unfortunately. I mean, hopefully he might be here in a bit. Um, just having a few sort of technical uh, effects and issues going on. So uh, he might join us, he might not. But uh, either way, uh, you've got me here for uh, sort of the next hour or so to talk through. And yeah, I wasn't here uh, last week, um, but Jack did a great job holding down the fort and holding down my chair. So Looking forward to breaking down uh, everything that happened last week. We had a good slate of games. I mean, we had Joe Mixon flirting with one of the biggest uh, touchdown or one of the biggest uh, running back uh, weekends of all time. We had uh, a lot of uh, drama, a lot of one-score games that were really uh, dicing to death. We saw the Raiders throw away another huge lead. Uh, we saw the Jets upset the the Bills. We saw Tom Brady roll back the years with a, a late. 42nd drive to to win the game against the Super Bowl champions and and it's just showing you how good the NFL is uh this has definitely been one of those more sort of enjoyable seasons that really is starting to tell these beautiful stories but let's focus a bit more on the fantasy side so really this show now we're gearing up to the playoffs 
there's just five weeks of the fantasy regular season left. So there's not long left. And if you're sitting at sort of four wins and above, you're still in contention to get into the playoffs. It's just about making those moves. And if it's less than that, then, you know, you're going to have to pretty much win out to have any form of shot. Um, three wins, I think two wins, one win and zero wins. You're probably uh, safe to say you're ruled out and thinking about next year. Uh, just on that note, uh, I've been posting over the weekend uh, and late last week about uh, the uh, elimination leagues that we've been doing for charity. Winner gets an NFL jersey. So uh, we've done three of these leagues. Two have drafted at the time of recording. One is very close to wrapping up. I'm quite prepared now to do another uh, another draft if people are up for it. Um, send me a DM, and if we get enough people to do one, then we'll add you to the competition. But the draft has to get done by Thursday, uh, ideally. So it means we need sort of the most active of people. But always happy to add more and, and see what we can do to get it going. Um, so at the moment, we have 30 people in the tournament. Winner gets an NFL jersey, and there's a structure, and there's a form. So if you are interested, drop me a DM at Murph underscore NFL. I'm always happy to go through uh, go through that. Uh, next week, we will be a bit delayed in getting out the flagship show. Um, so Dan and I are heading to Munich to go and watch uh, the Buccaneers. So very exciting. We don't fly back until sort of early evening Monday. So we're not going to be uh, able to record on Monday. So we need to get our schedules together to see when we can put a pod out. So it might be one of us, might be both of us, uh, but we will get something out to you. But I want to take this time really to focus on, first of all, some news, some injuries, and then also just thinking about some moves that we can make to get into the playoffs and looking at those all-important trends going forward. So uh, <clears throat> first, <clears throat> let's recap the injuries. So Josh Allen, although he stayed in the game, did suffer a right elbow injury. It's not the first time he's had this injury. Didn't seem to affect him all that much, especially when he uh, made that big throw to to Gabe Davis late on. Uh, but having said that, it's still something of a concern given he's had these injuries before. One to monitor, not saying that he's definitely in this, he's going to miss time bubble, but it's one that we do need to keep an eye on. So... Let's uh, just keep an eye on that. Follow the beat writers. Follow us. We'll update you as much as, as we can. Um, but it is one to keep an eye on. It's one to be slightly concerned about. Uh, Aaron Jones, he went out of the game yesterday with an ankle injury. Uh, it looks like he's going to be okay. Got some um, got some good news with that. So it looks like his, uh, his x-rays were, were, were clear, negative. So it looks like he's in contention to play this week. Uh, one such player is... Uh, Romeo Dobbs, however, is not. So Romeo Dobbs looks like he's going to miss four to six weeks. So in terms of uh, how likely he is to miss time, that's going to... Oh, wait, we know he's going to miss time, but in terms of how long he's going to miss, four to six weeks, we're thinking, okay, so he's back week uh, 14 to 16. I mean, you're looking in now, it's like, is he really going to be someone that you're going to want in the fantasy playoffs, given how badly the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are playing. I would say at this point, if you're fighting for playoff contention and you are not necessarily guaranteed to get there, I would probably be thinking of removing him from my uh, redraft roster and looking to get somebody, uh, somebody else in. 
So that's a key one uh, to, to keep an eye on. I know he, there were a lot of people that had some huge hopes for him this year. He did flash, but it doesn't look like it's going to be one that's going to pay out well for the rest of the season. Another uh, Green Bay rookie um, rookie wide receiver, Christian Watson. He has a concussion. He went through the concussion protocol. be interesting to see what happens out there. And maybe he is the guy who will get the biggest uh, gain from the Romeo Dobbs injury, given the fact that they are really sort of lacking bodies there in, in, other than Alan Lazard. Yes, they've got... Uh, Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins, but those guys haven't really done much for uh, the Packers this season. Another injury concern, Evan Ingram, he's got a back injury, left the game for a bit, one to keep an eye on. Has seen an uptick in targets, has been trending the right direction. So it's a bit of a shame, uh, but this is something that happens with Evan Ingram, unfortunately, does get injured a fair whack. So another one to keep an eye on. And then we've got those long-standing or, or short-standing injuries, so the likes of Jonathan Taylor, Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen, I think, and Mike Williams. I think Mike Williams is probably going to be out another two weeks, maybe three. Keenan Allen, uh, it's going to be difficult, be hard to see if he if he's back for week nine, uh, be one to keep an eye on. And then you've got the likes of Jonathan Taylor, and I think that's a really interesting scenario. So if you are watching this live, you would know that Frank, well, even if you're not watching this live, you would know that Frank Reich, for example, has been fired and uh, this afternoon. And as a result, Jeff Saturday, who has not coached at any level other than high school football, has been uh, instated, <laughs> yeah, has basically been put in charge, interim head coach charge uh, for the Colts. Now, this kind of looks like a tanking move. So when you're thinking about this, you're thinking about you've born in a coach with zero pedigree of coaching. You know, he's coaching a high school team in Georgia. Uh, you know, and first of all, Jeff Saturday was a great player. You know, we're talking about a guy who, uh, Hall of Fame player, we're talking about Ring of Honor, we're talking about, you know, one of the best centers to have ever played the game. And I'm not going to besmirch the guy and say he knows absolutely nothing. But at the end of the day, coaching is one of those things you need experience at to be good at it. And he doesn't have any. And the last time we saw a team took this kind of wild gamble, it was Freddie Kitchens, and that didn't work out well. And surprisingly, no one was surprised. Because you have to earn your stripes. It's not a boys' club. You don't seem to have this opportunity to just go ahead and just gain a role with no experience. And I remember Josh McCown was interviewing for roles, and people were up in arms because, again, you're talking about a player who hadn't earned his stripes in the um yeah in in you know it wouldn't he had known the stripes in the coaching community and that that caused some backlash that's probably why he didn't get a job so i think you're looking at at, at this sort of move now with jeff saturday or you know i'm not i'm not, not going to say that he's not going to be a good coach but we don't know but this looks like a tanky move you need to install a guy who has zero coaching experience um at college or professional level and to install him as the head coach, you've already benched your quarterback that you've traded for. Yes, there's arm and shoulder injuries, etc., and that probably factored into the decision, but you're playing a late-round quarterback draft pick and who, you know, 
isn't doing the job. I mean, you look at Alec Pierce yesterday. He le- he led the the team in in receiving yards. I think he had twenty nine receiving yards. I mean, it's just ridiculous now. Uh, you have to look at it and go, I, what are the Colts trying to achieve? And then you have to look at this and go, why would they rush back Jonathan Taylor? Because not trying to win. So it's not in their best interest to rush along Jonathan Taylor. And I'll talk about his replacement in a bit. But if I've got Jonathan Taylor right now in redraft, I'm severely concerned. If if I could get him off my books, I would be doing that. I don't know what you can get for him. That's the difficulty because he is injured. Anyone that's clued up might be realizing that actually he could realistically be shut down or limited for the rest of the season. So it's a very difficult landscape for a guy who drafted 101. If you're playing in a, ha- in a you know a home league and you've got sort of very casual fans, you could probably do quite well out of the trade. And you could probably get someone like a Miles Sanders, maybe a receiver. Or you could get Ramadre Stevenson and a receiver and trade on name value and big up uh, what's going on. Um, but if you... <laughs> If you're playing with quite smart people, I doubt you're going to get a lot for him. And then you're in this really difficult quandary of what do you take for, for Jonathan Taylor? The truth is, I don't know. I think you need to get some form of service level replacement. But if, especially if you are, if you're very much low down. So I think if you are, if you're sitting there with seven wins upwards, I think you can trade Jonathan Taylor. Um, quite easily. I think if you are three, four, five wins, I think you need to trade him. I think the difference is you can take more of a risk with the seven, eight, nine wins because you can be a bit more flexible in your approach. You probably have you're winning without Jonathan Taylor, so you can, you know, you trade him for a piece that's going to add some value, add an asset to your side. When it comes to the three, four, five, six wins, that's going to be a little bit more tricky. You're going to need to find probably a, a replacement to start in case and there's a couple of names i'll suggest later but i think you you know we're talking about trade deadlines so i'm going to get to that in a second in leagues we need to start thinking about moving on someone like jonathan taylor the same way we need to move on a few other players because if you stick with jonathan taylor now and they do decide to fold him for the rest of the season or just limit him again they're not trying to win so there's no incentive for them to sit there and put a load of workload on jonathan taylor he is I'm going to say the future of this franchise. But he's certainly going to play a very big part next season. So to run the legs off him now just doesn't make any sense. So you need to think of ways and be creative in getting rid of Jonathan Taylor. Whether that's taking, uh, you know, someone like Leonard Fournette could be a really good opportunity because he's a player who's got a bye week coming. Players might look at that and go, well, we can try and get Jonathan Taylor. We can roll the dice and see what happens. Fournette's not putting up huge numbers. I expect Fournette's fortunes to change a little bit. And I think he's someone who will trend more into the ascendancy. And there's a few players I'd recommend as well. But just just something to to definitely think about uh, as we're going through this. Um, Keenan Allen's a difficult one. You're definitely not going to get anything for him. But it looks like he should be back. And, and if Mike Williams is out for a few weeks, he should reap the rewards. He should be back to, if he's healthy, he should be fine. Um. That's really it for sort of injury news. There's a few others to keep an eye on. Uh, they were sort of the major ones that came out of yesterday or the, or the major ones that we're, we're tracking. And then obviously we're looking at Ryan Tannehill. Is he going to come back? 
but if you're relying on Ryan, Ryan Tannehill right now, you're probably in a really difficult spot uh, and probably not one to need to focus on. So I want to focus a little bit more on strategy for making your playoffs. And if you're watching this live, just jump in with some comments and thoughts or questions. I'm happy to to sort of answer them. But in terms of uh, strategy for the playoffs now, so you've got five weeks after tonight to get to the playoffs. And there's a few different ways that you can view this. The first thing I would be looking to do is looking at strength for schedule. So I'd be looking to see who has favorable matchups coming up. I'd be looking at usage. So I'd be sitting there thinking about who is getting targets, even though they're not necessarily appearing uh, in the box score. So who's been trending in the target areas, running the most routes, but maybe hasn't necessarily hit that peak in, in the box score, because I think you'll find some good value there. And I'll share some of that with you in the matchup show later on in the week. Um, but there's some real basic things that you can do as a fantasy owner. I say this every year, and I think it's a really good reminder to uh, think about this, which is to think about how you can gain an edge. And I always say that fantasy managers who win leagues outwork their opponents. And to do that, it's being active on the on the waiver wire that's using all your bench spots really utilizing those it's not holding on to players who you're just hoping might do something one day it's constantly rotating those players it's it's very very common that the play that the fantasy manager who makes the most transactions probably makes the playoffs and, and makes the championship game because they're the ones that are looking for the edge they're looking to take gambles and if you are sitting in that three to six win category three to five win category you probably need to take a few gambles just to make sure you get your place especially three and four wins because you're going to need to win the majority of your games to get in so to do that you need to look at players trending up you need to think about um players that you've got if you've had a player on your bench and he's not played for four games you probably need to cut him and you even need to cut him for something else or you need to you know, think about ways in which you can invite more roster spots. If your QBs had a bite, if you're hold, if you're playing Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and you've got a backup QB on your bench, he needs to go because you're never playing him. Like, there's no point. And if one of those three players goes down, you're probably not winning your league anyway. So you can't play with this whole negative feeling of I've got all these I've got quarterbacks on my bench it just doesn't work you know I, I I play in a league and there's so many quarterbacks that are on benches in a redraft league it's crazy there's one guy holding four QBs in a, in a one QB start league like it's just it doesn't work you think like okay well I'm holding them from the other players that's fine but you're also losing the value of your bench spots and the ability to rotate during bye weeks and you're kind of just that strategy doesn't work long term to try and deny people. You're much better off rotating your roster spots, bringing in a lot of wide receivers. I don't think there's a lot of running back depth on the waiver wire, so I'd be looking to bring in um, wide receivers. One one running back I would target is is uh, Isaiah Pacheco. He's out there. I would be looking to pick him up, but I'd be looking to pick up some other uh, wide receiver pieces and just getting them rotated in and just shooting for the moon, looking at opportunities and thinking about who we can get edges off because. If you're just sitting there holding players and not using your bench, that's five, six spots on your roster you're just wasting. And it's a really big part of it. Um, the trade deadline's in two weeks or one week, depending on your league. It could be up as soon as Monday. It could be uh, another week. And you might not even have a trade deadline. But 
if you do, it's typically week 10, week 11. So we're coming up to him. You need to identify players that you can sell now and get ahead of the curve. And I'm going to give you some names. Uh, talked about John for Taylor already, but I'm going to give you some names that I think you can consider selling. Uh, and give you some names that you should consider going out there and trying to buy. Um, because I think it's really important to think about how you can try and get extra games on your roster and extra points. Now, if you've got a running back who hasn't had a bye week yet, and someone like Joe Mixon, and you could get someone like uh, Miles Sanders and a wide receiver in return, you should absolutely do that because you get the extra week's production. You've already seen the buyout, so that's going to help you out. Plus, you're looking at factors, and I'll, I'll talk about Joe Mixon in a bit. I've already talked about him, but in case you've missed it. Other things you should do, you should look at your opponent's schedule. You should look at where they've got buys. If you're playing in a fab league, you should see where your fab is against everybody else. You should see how much fab is left in play and see where your opponents might likely pay for players in fab and look at where you can get some discounts. If you see that a player's on buy this week and you might see some players being dropped um, that are going to go on to buy, there could be a really good opportunity uh, to pick those up uh, for next to nothing this week uh, because they're not ones that people will be targeting. So there's some really good tips, but just look at the schedule. If you're heavily favored in a lot of those matchups, you can be a little bit more conservative. If you're playing against a lot of the top of the league opposition and you're likely to project to lose, you're going to have to make some trades and make some swings. And if that means getting the best player in your, in, in, in your roster off to, in order to, facilitate that and gain more depth and more quality, then you absolutely should do that. Um, you know, having Christian McCaffrey at this stage, if you're losing, isn't isn't helpful. If you can trade Christian McCaffrey for Miles Sanders, Tyler Boyd, DK Metcalf, and maybe you give something else in return, that's going to help you a lot more. Because think of the total point scale. Let's say McCaffrey gets you 20 points a week. Well, Miles Sanders is going to get you 15, 16 points a week. DK Metcalf's going to get you 10 to 15 points a week. Um, Tyler Boyd, similar. So you're going to end up net ahead, especially when you factor in, and you've got to factor in the players you would drop, but you should be factoring in ahead. You'll have a bit more depth to play with. So if you are sitting there and you need to gamble, they're the kind of moves that you need to make. You need to get the, if you are sitting there on three wins, four wins, and you're holding someone like a Christian McCaffrey or you're holding someone like an A.J. Brown or holding someone like a, um, a Justin Jefferson or a Cooper Cup, looking at maybe moving those players on in order to get a huge haul back and facilitating a trade that will allow you to get into the playoffs is, is a big move. It's obviously one that's going to be unpopular with certain players, but the goal is to make the playoffs and see what happens and cause chaos the team that finishes first in the regular season isn't guaranteed anything. And you've probably played in enough leagues to know that very, not say very rarely, but it's more uncommon than not that the first seed ends up winning it all. So you need to get in the tournament in order to have a chance. And if that means you move on your best player to do that, then you absolutely have to do that. On the flip side, if you're six, seven, seven, nine wins, maybe even six wins at this point, um, you know, it's a very different story. You can start to look at your roster. You can start to plan ahead. Look at who's got good playoff schedules. Look who uh, are players that you could potentially pick up and block. Look at steam uh, streaming options for DSTs for the playoffs and and rotating your roster and keeping it fresh. There's some big moves that you've got to make, but you're future proofing. You're thinking ahead. You don't get too cocky. You don't sit there and assume you're going to make it. But you'd like to think if you've racked up, especially seven to nine wins right now, you're going to rack off the 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 requisite 
two, you know, one the one the three wins that you're going to need to get to over the next five weeks to cement that place. And if you're on six wins, you know, you should feel feel pretty good that you've got a good chance to get in as well. So it's about not necessarily making the trades, but you're in those positions where you can acquire a big player. So if I was looking at someone who has got three wins and they've got Christian McCaffrey, you can be aggressive. You can you can try and go out there and get Christian McCaffrey and go give up two, maybe three players to go and get him to go and get yourself uh, a team for the league winners. You know, they, they're the sorts of moves that can win you championships. So, you know, it works both ways. If you're chasing, you probably need to get rid of your best player. If you're winning you can probably acquire some really good pieces by trading off some of your debt for maybe a star, but to get an absolute stud back. Um, You know, someone like Derek Henry is someone who's not the world's most favorite trade target, but given his schedule in the fantasy playoffs, he's someone I'd be looking to acquire if I was on the championship chasing roster because his strength of schedule is, is amazing in the playoffs. So he has in the playoffs, he has the Chargers, the Texans, and then the Cowboys. So the Cowboys isn't the world's greatest uh, matchup, but it's not terrible. But those other two are huge. And we know what Derek Henry can do. And he, he can he can absolutely gash teams, especially as the Titans are playing for a seed in the playoffs and, and chasing the division. And they look well-placed to win the division quite comfortably. So, you know, you're looking at Derek Henry being the best way that they do that, especially if they do move that, make that switch to Malik Willis away from Ryan Tannehill. And they might not do that. It's hard to tell what they're going to do at this stage. They might think that Tannehill is the best route for them to win now, and I would probably agree. But that's a situation that is in flux, and you can keep, you know, you can cash in and, and use Derek Henry as as a reason to 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 go for that, and maybe put somebody off into trading him. Um, so I think they're the sorts of moves that you need to make. There aren't that many marquee running backs this season. There aren't that many running backs that are making those huge strides who are difference makers so if you can go out and buy one of those pieces right now uh and you're a six win the buff team you should probably do it before your trade deadline and if you if you haven't or if you've already got that cemented maybe look at wide receivers and see who you can pick up be aggressive this is the opportunity for you to try and win your league um i mentioned fab yeah look at fab look and see how much fab everyone's got left look at where they're likely to spend it i think that's really important i think as well um Look at who you're playing and when, if they've got buys coming up, especially week 14, and look at where you can maybe get some casual blocks in. That's DSTs, kickers, uh, wide receivers, quarterbacks, you know, wherever there might be an opportunity. And this is where you need every bench spot because you might need to play those kind of tactics in order to stick in. It's a bit of game theory now where if you can map out your path, look at where you're likely to stumble, look at where you're likely to win. And if it comes down to that week 14 matchup, what can you do a week or two in advance to take the advantage away from your opponent? And that is, you know, working the waiver wire one to two weeks in advance. And you're going to need to do that. That's a big change. People tend to look at this week to week, but actually you need to look beyond the week. Um, one of the things I was going to ask Dan, if he was here, was does the, the does the DFS mindset work in this scenario? I don't know. I'm not a big DFS player, but I wonder if it does. I wonder if looking at that. Um, from a DFS perspective, is is, is something that could work. Um, I don't know for sure, but it'd be interesting to see if it does. I would look at um, schedules of players. I'd look at good cornerback matchups versus bad cornerback matchups. I'd look at where uh, 
low volume teams with a second wide receiver could be strong uh, and and look at matchups where that's likely to happen. Um, you know, these are some of the things that you should be doing and just outworking your opponents, you know, making notes on your remaining opponents, get a spreadsheet out, get a word doc out or Google doc or whatever, make a notes of, of all your, of all your opponents for the rest of the season. Look at where they're weak. Look at where they're strong. Look at where you can capitalize. If you don't think you can win a matchup, go out and make a trade now to see if you can get ahead of that matchup and try and win it. You know, these are some of the moves that, that you will need to make. It's really important. So there's some strategy advice there that I would be looking at um, going forward for the rest of the season. Um, so now looking at some usage. So there's some usage scenarios in which I'll be going through as I do every week. So we'll start off with the Miami Dolphins. So the Miami Dolphins acquired Jeff Wilson. Uh it, you know, the trade deadline, very busy trade deadline, and he's very much just capped uh, Raheem Mostert uh, quite significantly. So he's pretty much come in. He's played uh, 50% of the snaps. Uh, <laughs> he's played a lot of the early down work. He shared the goal line work. He got a good portion of the short yardage. Uh, got a good chunk of the, the third down work. Raheem Mostert still dominates the two-minute drill. But what Jeff Wilson's done now is he's taken Raheem Mostert and pretty much just not cast him to one side, but he's turned this into a committee, which if you were an owner of... HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforumc.org. Raheem Mostert is incredibly annoying because Raheem Mostert's career now just seems to be overtaken by Jeff Wilson, no matter where he goes. Um, so Jeff Wilson becomes someone that you can add. He's probably been dropped in so many places after the, the Christian McCaffrey trade. And then it was like, well, he's not going to get anywhere. So now it looks like he's going to be someone that uh, is going to get some work going forward. So his is an interesting uh, usage. I can't see a ceiling on him, but I do think there's there's something to be not concerned about, but there's something to, if you're a Raheem Moster owner, you now have to temper your expectations of what he's going to uh, be doing rest of the season. Especially if you think about that was a high shootout game. Uh, all game scripts are effectively imply uh, stayed one score for a good chunk of it. And we still didn't see Raheem Moster dominate. And this is Jeff Wilson just getting the playbook. There's some alarm bells for me as a Raheem Moster owner. So one I would be looking at uh, very carefully. Um, right. Let's move on to the Rams' backfield. And look, I get it. They played the, the Buccaneers yesterday. But at the end of the day, their situation right now, Cam Akers has come back into the team. And it's just it's just very difficult to see what's going on. Uh, what I would say is these guys are probably worth owning, but none of them are worth starting. So 
Yesterday, Darrell Henderson played uh, half the snaps, um, which is kind of what you would, uh, well, you'd expect him to have more, but you know, he played half the snaps. He dominated the early down work, but he pretty much got almost no usage in, he got no usage at all in short yardage. None of the running backs got any usage in the two-minute drill. And then he only played one snap on third down, and the rest of it went to Malcolm Brown. Um, yeah, I mean, look, here's what I'd say with when it comes to the Rams is that I think you don't worry about Malcolm Brown. He's, he's not worth having. Henderson Akers and Williams, and I'm talking about Kyron Williams here, who's due to come back off IR, are probably worth owning. Uh, in leagues that are deep enough to where they should be owned, but none of them should be anywhere near your starting uh, lineups right now because none of them can be relied upon. None of them are going to get enough volume in order to carry a top 24 finish or even a top 30 finish at the rate it's going right now. Um, And they're kind of all eating each other. So I would say right now that these are players that if you can trade and get something useful for them, then absolutely do it. But at the same token, I think they're a good hold, but then, you know, unless the, something needs to come out of that room, whether the Acres situation deteriorates again, I don't, whether Kyron Williams never gets going, I, it's hard to kind of see what's going to happen going forward, but they need to make some changes. The Rams, they're in they're three and five. They're kind of losing touch with the division. They're going to need to make some changes quick, and to do that, they need to go back to the run game. So that's why I'd hold them. I think you're going to see, if I had to hold one play in particular, Henderson, because the fact he's playing half the snaps is the guy I think they see the most potential in, but he's not been overly effective. He's not been that great. And the concern there is someone could take the job, but someone needs to. And I think if you are owning those players, someone's going to have to usurp and take and take the majority of the workload there. Um, speaking of running backs, let's talk about James Connor, right? So James Connor yesterday returned back from this rib injury. He only ran the ball uh, seven times for 45 yards. But the team played from behind for the majority of the game. But he also caught five passes. Um, here's what I'd say about James Connor. First of all, you know, Benjamin, pretty ineffective in his time. He had one decent game, but on the whole, wasn't an overly effective player. So James Connor, I think, you know, in the start of the season, he was kind of splitting some time with Eno Benjamin. I think what you're going to see is you're going to see James Connor dominate that role. I think he's going to go back to what we saw James Connor last season. I don't necessarily think with the same touchdown rate, this offense definitely has regressed. So we don't think you're going to see the same touchdown production, but I think you're going to see the same volume of touches. Uh, they ran the ball very well last season. They haven't done so well this season. I think they need to get James Connor fit fully to do that. Um, I would say this, Arizona have a really difficult schedule in the next sort of four weeks. So Arizona's schedule, and there's a buy-in here as well. Um, But, you know, they've got some difficult games coming up where they've got, you know, the Chargers, um, the Patriots in there. You know, they've got a few few difficult games. But actually, uh, their fantasy playoff schedule is incredible. So... After the Patriots week 14, they've got the Broncos, the Buccaneers, which is a tough game to be fair, but they finish with the Falcons. And as a result, when you equate all of that in, uh, he has the sixth easiest schedule for running backs, even with the Buccaneers in there. Because week 17 against the Falcons, they can't stop the run. That's a huge plus matchup in championship week. So... If you've got an owner that's very frustrated and we're talking about trade deadlines here, James Connor's worth an ad. He, especially if you are in a position where you can be aggressive because 
there's a struggle. He's going to struggle for the next week, maybe the next couple of weeks. And then there's a buy to negotiate in there as well. But if he gets up to full speed for the playoffs, he's going to be an absolute monster. And he potentially could be putting up RB1 weeks. So if you're sitting there with six, seven, eight, nine wins, he's someone I'd be looking to acquire. Because I think you can buy him relatively cheap with the injuries, the bye weeks to come. If you can work through all of that, I think you get a guy with great matchups in the playoffs minus the Buccaneers. And I think especially week 17, that championship week, if he's healthy, that could be a game winning and a potentially league winning week. So James Connor is someone I would be looking to go out in this sort of two week, one week trade window and trying to acquire as much of us as I can. Um, the Jets wide receiver room. So you know, we've talked about them a few times. I've said it's kind of Garrett Wilson season. Very much is Garrett Wilson season. He kind of, so where Elijah Moore was, Garrett Wilson's taken over. Elijah Moore, no longer really a thing. Um, it's interesting because basically what's happening is now Denzel Mims has come in and he's basically playing the Corey Davis role, which is strange because we kind of thought Denzel Mims was kind of done. And now he's kind of back, but he's not, you know, fancy relevant. Uh, Elijah Moore's really only playing in three wide receiver sets and he's lining up in the slot. So he's not going to get that, the deep ball. It's likely he's probably going to move on uh, in the off season. So, um, and then we're seeing Braxton Berrios. He's getting rolled uh, slot snaps in the slot as well. So, and then we've got this offense. is isn't overly brilliant. Zach Wilson hasn't been overly great, but we can rely on really one piece of this offense and that's Garrett Wilson. So, if you've got Garrett Wilson, you're in a good place. I'm not saying he's one I'd go and trade for, but as much as I think he's got a, a, a relatively good schedule coming up over the next few weeks, the problem with that is relying on the Jets' offense to remain and be consistent, which is not something that we've seen oh so often. Um, his fantasy playoff schedule is pretty good because he does have the Lions uh, and the Jacks in there before Seattle in Week 17. So again, thinking ahead, if you can survive the next few weeks with – you know, a, a guy who's, who's probably rest of the season somewhere between wide receiver 30, wide receiver 36, he could get an hour up into wide receiver two territory for the playoffs and beyond if they really start to utilize and unlock him. So there's a potential one to look at there. Justin Fields finally arrived in the NFL. We've been waiting a long time. Uh, 178 yards rushing yesterday, uh, which is an NFL record for rushing by a quarterback in a, in a single regular season game. Um, so this was his third consecutive top five fantasy performance and it's his fifth consecutive as a top 12 starting fantasy quarterback. Now, Justin Fields is someone I was very in on early in the season. It, it hasn't really panned out until now. He's someone I've held on to. And I have a lot of this sort of Brady and Fields uh, QB tandem. And now I can flip them. So now I can start Fields and I can bench Brady because we can see, and I'll talk about Brady in a minute. But we can see the trend going upwards for Justin Fields, not just as a, uh, a rushing quarterback, although that's absolutely massive, but actually just his accuracy is improving. The balls are, are better. We saw Darnell Mooney starting to be the kind of player that we thought he would be. Cole Komet's finally turned up and scored touchdowns. I mean, like, uh, Cole Komet's so frustrating because I absolutely knew at some point he was going to score touchdowns, but he was so bad in the opening seven weeks of the season that I think he was cut everywhere. And actually, Cole Komet's someone that if he is available on waiver-wise, he's someone you should target because now they're starting to see the effectiveness of it. He saw three touchdowns in his last two games, even despite only scoring one in his previous two and a half years. 
maybe slightly overreaction to this two-game trend, but I want to jump on the train and see what happens. Because I always thought there was a way that if they could get him into games, especially given the reception totals, I think it would be better. Chase Claypool got involved. I think that's going to take time. I think people are going to get overexcited on Chase Claypool. I think I'd curb that. By the time he gets, we've seen that, and I don't mean this with any disrespect to Justin Fields, he takes time to learn. He takes time to develop. He takes time to get to where he needs to get to um, and and perform at that sort of level. So I don't think he builds that relationship with with Chase Claypool over the next six, seven weeks. There might be a big boom week in there. I wouldn't know. But at the end of the day, I'm, it doesn't matter either way. You have to look at this situation and go, Chase Claypool is someone that you can ignore. But Darnell Mooney, someone who could potentially trend up as a result of Chase Cable being there. But what we do know is Justin Fields is starting to reach that potential, in fantasy football at least, that we expected. So he's a must-start going forward and someone that you should feel pretty good putting in your fantasy lineups. And especially if you're like me, you took a lot of him. He's been on your bench all season, including yesterday. That's fine. That's process. We're at the stage now where he's usurped Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady. Dare I say, even... Justin Herbert, until Justin Herbert gets his weapons back, I'd probably be looking to make that move as well. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, right? So Isaiah Pacheco, he's still available in a, a ton of leagues. He's going to be in my waiver wire column or waiver wire podcast uh, tomorrow. So sneak preview. We saw that he took the majority, very small majority over Clyde was hilaire uh, before the buy, and people can look at the box score yesterday and go, well. Pacheco didn't do anything, but actually really none of the running backs did. That's because Kansas City pretty much abandoned the run. They were behind in this game uh, very early. The run went out of the equation. And they just, as such, just basically just put the ball in the air. um, And none of these guys really got anything. But if we're looking ahead of schedule, the Chiefs have six of their nine remaining opponents have losing records with three or fewer wins. So they're playing really bad teams. On the back end, you know, I'd lock the Chiefs right now to probably be in the mix for the one or the two slot. So as a result, they're going to be able to be in games where they can control the pace of the game, not just putting the ball in the air, but running the football. So if we've seen the fact that Isaiah Pacheco has been trending upwards, he started to get more snaps than Clyde Hilaire. He started to be named as the starter. And that's not a huge thing, but it's 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 noteworthy. And that's what I mean by that. And so if they play in these teams that are bad, these three win and below teams that are perceived to be bad, you're going to see these young guys get the work, especially if they're in control of games. So they're going to give the ball to Pacheco. They're going to give the ball to Tony. They're going to give the ball to all of these guys. And that should mean that we're likely to see um, more work because that, and, and that's what I mean. It's going to be much better news for Pacheco. Pacheco is someone who's going to get this, potential volume now i'm not sitting here pre- pretending he's going to be like this rb1 amazing but we're looking at opportunities where players can excel the matchups look good for him the opportunities are all trending in the right direction so in those games where they're playing a poor team they've got this great opportunity now to use pacheco um i'm just reading about josh allen it's he's likely to be limited this week in practice but he should be okay so one to watch for the week uh, but yeah, I, I'd be just be looking at, at Pacheco as someone who could emerge from the pack and someone who could potentially be a, a solid contributor on your roster. So I'd be adding him, uh, especially fantasy playoffs. You know, you're looking at their roster. They've got 
the Texans, the Seahawks, and then the Broncos. So not the worst matchups uh, for the fantasy playoffs. I think outside of uh, Baltimore, Carolina. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And that's it. They've got the third easiest schedule on for running backs uh, coming in as it stands right now. Sorry, the Jets. Uh, fourth easiest. So, yeah, definitely one I'd be getting on is Isaiah Pacheco. So, again, another play on the flip side of that, looking at the situation, if I and Clyde was there, I'd be trying to push him out. I'm not saying that he's not going to be good in these games, but it clearly is trending towards Isaiah Pacheco cash in now while you still can in redraft or even in dynasty and get what you can for Clyde Hilaire because this end of season could be potentially a little bit brutal for him. Um, the other thing about Pacheco is really, and the reason why they're trending this way and why he's going to, he's, he's just a really good running back. 2.2 yards uh, after contact he's gaining. It's one of the best in the league that anywhere over two is a really significantly good number. I talked about this in the past with someone like Khalil Herbert, so they're the signs I look at. I was like p- players that are really, really going to get those opportunities to break away and make big plays. So Isaiah Pacheco for me is is one I'd be really looking at. Talked about it a couple of weeks ago, Seljo Mixon. You can think of mad five uh, touchdown game yesterday. And if you sold him before, okay, I'll take the hit. But right now, if you're sitting there with Joe Mixon share and he scored five touchdowns for you and he's won you a game, guess what? Hit the sell button, go and find a way to get rid of him. Um, again, he's still only, even after yesterday's game, he's still only at 0.9 yards per contact uh, after contact. It's still not good. He's just getting through on these touchdowns. It's not sustainable. It's going to get to the situation where the, the touchdowns will dry up. So we've seen this. This is the peak for me. I think you're going to get out of Joe Mixon. It is going to get worse. Um, because, yes, okay, got the yardage. Yes, they got the volume yesterday. Not going to argue that. And as long as you're getting that kind of usage, he's going to be fine. But if he gets a game where he's only getting, uh, you know, 15 touches and he's only averaging on the ground, he's averaging 3.9, not even like 3.3 to 3.9 yards per carry. He's getting so few yards after carry and that number hasn't changed for weeks it's been 0.9 yards after carry so it's not like oh he's just going for phases no this is where he is this is where he is right now this season i'd be selling joe mixon i've, I've talked about it before i'm going to talk about it again his playoff schedule is the bucks the patriots the, the bucks the patriots and the bills the patriots don't give up um rb1 weeks at all the buccaneers we've seen what they can do stuffing the run uh and the bills as well I mean, that's gross. I mean, it's a really gross uh, playoff schedule. Cash in now 
especially on the back of this game, you can probably get a King's Ransom for Joe Mixon right now. So, you know, for me, I, players I really want in exchange, Ramadre Stevenson, they've got the same buy, so you lose nothing there. Miles Sanders, who's already had his buy, he'd be a player I'd definitely be looking to uh, acquire. Uh, absolutely. I, I think if, if I can get those sorts of players plus a wide receiver, which I think you can do right now on the strength of this performance, then you absolutely need to do that. I think it's really important that you get Joe Mixon off those rosters because in championship week, he could be a real hindrance. Someone asked me earlier, would you take Dalvin Cook? No, not the way that that offense is rolling. It's definitely going through the air. It's definitely not evolving as much Dalvin Cook. And then you've got the injury concerns of Dalvin Cook. Uh, yeah, not for me. Uh, not a player I'd be looking to get much of. If you could sell Joe Mixon, who's currently uh, the RB, I'm looking at it in PPR, but I think he's the RB2. In fact, in the, he's the RB2, in fact, in PPR leagues. Could you get him for Derek Henry straight up? Or oh, I'd love to do it. If I could do that, I would... Um, you know, maybe Saquon, who's not going the right way, but that schedule opens up for Saquon uh, towards the end of the season. That could be a situation, especially if they're in playoff situations. That could be an interesting one um, to take advantage of. I wouldn't do Josh Jacobs. If you could get Leonard Fournette, maybe, with something, I think Leonard Fournette's going to come back to the pass and be a really useful piece of this offense. Kenneth Walker, if you get Kenneth Walker in, in the piece, I think these are all doable trades right now. I'd be getting Joe Mix off my roster if I can get, you know, Ken Walker scored in six consecutive games. Um, and he's a big part of that offense. I think you could do that trade, worst case, straight up. And I think you'd be better off. But if not, if you can get him and uh, Garrett Wilson, you know, that could be a really, really good trade for you come, come playoff time. Uh, so I'd be looking to do that bit of business just on uh, just on Kenneth Walker. You know, he has got the Chiefs and the Jets week 15, uh, 16, 17. So not the terrible matchups, uh, certainly better than Joe Mixon's. Um, let's talk about Neon Dion. So talked about here, talked about JT potentially being shut down. So Dion Jackson for me becomes someone that is highly relevant. I'm not saying that Deion Jackson is going to be a top 12 running back because I don't think he is. But if I'm having to look outside the box and think outside the box and think of just someone who can just emerge as it happens every year where someone comes out of the doldrums, Deion Jackson's not a bad bet for that. Because at the end of the day, I like I said, I truly believe that, just, that, that Jonathan Taylor is not going to be used to full capacity. Again, they might use uh, running backs they've acquired, and we can see what happens there. But at the end of the day, I, th- I just think it's a it's a difficult situation. They're trying to lose games now. The passing game is awful. Alec Pierce, as I said, 28-29 receiving yards yesterday, led the team. It's, it's just a joke. I mean, and they're going to run the ball more. That's the bottom line. And Jackson didn't get a lot going yesterday. They were behind. It was a difficult game. They put up three points on offense. That's not going to be the same every week. I think Deion Jackson's a guy I'm looking at now thinking he's someone who could be fantasy relevant. By the way, week 17, he's got the Giants. That's a great matchup. Um, If someone's going to come out of the doldrums to do something, but then, and again, 
the easiest way to to lose a game is to consistently run the ball over and over and over again. Because whilst you might end up with some plus yardage at some point, uh, you're not going to make those big chunk plays. It's very hard to go 100 yards running the football a lot. And I think this is what you can see the Colts expecting to do, over, the, especially in the last few weeks of the season, as they're trying to get a, a really high draft pick, um, as they're looking to get a, a, a Stroud or a uh, Bryce Young or whoever's going to come into the draft. So I really think Deion Jackson is, is an out-of-the-box play um, in fantasy football. So I'm not saying you get much to acquire him, but do you know what? If you can get him in a, in a make weight and a trade, just like, oh, I'll give you, I'll give you, a, oh, I don't know. I say, for example, you, you agree a trade and you acquire Tyler Boyd for, I don't know, uh, DK Metcalf, for example, right? You, or Tyler Lockett. You do that trade. You go, okay, well, can I, can I have Dion Jackson as well? You probably more often than not, they're going to go, yeah, all right, fine. Especially at this point before the deadline when you know Jonathan Taylor gets shut down, I think that's likely to be someone that you can just get as a throw in in a trade. So if you're trading with the person who has Dion Jackson, just ask for him to be thrown in. You never know uh, if he's on your waiver wire, pick him up. Uh, he's not going to cost a lot on the back of last week's performance. So. Yeah, just so we can get. I'm just he might he might get dropped because if if just if Jonathan Taylor comes back this week, Deion Jackson's going to be dropped a lot. So do that, um, pick him up, and you never know what might happen. Just see that situation transpiring. That that could be a situation where Deion Jackson becomes a guy who becomes a top twenty four running back by the end of the season, and that's going to be valuable to you uh, to have a player like that on your roster, cover off the last two bye weeks, and like I said, week seventeen, really good matchup. If you're hanging around trying to win a championship, Deion Jackson could be a guy who brings it home. You never know what happens. Um, I talked about this already. Aaron Aaron Rodgers has not had a 20-point game this season. He's been awful. Um, season's best is 16.88. We're at the point now where Aaron Rodgers is actually droppable in fantasy football, which is crazy. Zoltan might pick him up and he might do a really good job uh, rest of the season. Who knows what happens? But... If you have Aaron Rodgers as your starting quarterback, you're not going to win many more games this season. You need to make a change. If you can get Justin Fields, do that as a like-for-like swap. Um, but at this point, it's just a, we're just looking at, at him now as... I don't know what his fantasy outlook is for Dynasty. I'm not going to project. I'm not going to try and guess. Um, he could come back, never write off Aaron Rodgers. But he is the QB 14 in fantasy football right now. And, you know, he's going to lose even more ground. I mean, to, to, to give you an example, he's 13 points better off than Jacoby Brissett and he's played a game more. <laughs> like, that's, that, is, that is where we're at now with Aaron Rodgers. So he's absolutely uh, droppable. I mean, the fact that even someone like Marcus Mariota is, is getting significantly more points uh, than Aaron Rodgers is telling you everything you need to know. Another one, QB9 on the season, uh, Tom Brady is another guy you can probably bench. It's fifth game in a row now without a 20-point game, but he has at least had one and another one that was just short of 20. Uh, I think they turn it around after the bye. At least that's probably me as a fan talking. So <sighs> we'll see what happens. But right now, like I said, I've got this Fields-Brady uh, stack in about eight leagues. I will be rotating them and playing Fields uh, going forward. If you're in the same boat as me, do the same thing. 
uh, it's not panned out with Brady. That's one I'll definitely have to take an L on this season. I really expect them to cook uh, in Brady's last season to point to prove. And I still think there's an opportunity for them to do that, but they haven't done it in the easy games this season against the Steelers and against the, the Carolina Panthers. So, uh, yeah, I think we've seen enough now by week nine to make a, a judgment call there. Um, I think that's going to do it. And like I said, if you want any advice on trading over the next sort of couple of days, um, reach out to me. I'm not great on like, would you trade this for this? Like, give me a scenario you're in and then let's try and work out some numbers. Best way to think of a trade is look at a team. If you're really strong at running back and really weak at wide receiver, find a team that's really weak at running back and really strong at wide receiver. They're good trade partners. Uh, you go ahead and, and you can probably get a really good trade out there. Don't try and win the trade. Just try and get a really good trade. But try and sneak Dion Jackson or just try and get a little something extra in there if you can. Um, like I said, if you can get Joe Mixon for Ramadre Ste- if you can sell Joe Mixon, get Ramadre Stevens and Miles Sanders and a wide receiver, I'm definitely doing that, especially if you can get someone like Tyler Boyd, like a Tyler Lockett. If you can get them uh, onto your roster, uh, a player that's trending upwards uh, ever so quietly, someone like Mike Evans, um, I think you know he's not got great yards off the catch, but he's getting more and more red zone targets now. I think he's someone that you can potentially try and get as a make weight in a trade because of all the disappointment with this this Buccaneers offense. There's some things I would do. And if you want to workshop some ideas, contact me at Murph underscore NFL, uh, and I'm happy to talk through them. I'll be back tomorrow for some waiver wire, and then we'll be back uh, at some point next week to break down week 10. Dan and I will give our overview of Munich. We're very looking forward to flying out there on Saturday. We're going to the Hofbra house. If you are going... Drop me a DM. Let's try and hook up and meet. Um, we'll be at the Hofbra House on Saturday for the Buccaneers event. I think it's ticket only, so you'll need to find a way to get a ticket. And then Sunday we'll be at the game. I'll be there with a bit of a contingent, but I'm looking forward to meeting as any as many fans as possible. So if you're going, do reach out to me directly um, and let's try and hook up, get some photos, have a beer, have some fun. Still trying to work out when I'm going to watch the games uh, afterwards as well. But You don't want to hear about my travel plans, but we will be back at some point next week. I'll try and announce it on Twitter when we're back. Do reach out with any fancy questions. This is sort of the business end of the season now. The next couple of weeks are absolutely massive. They're going to be the difference between you making your playoffs and not. Get smart with your trades. Get really, really uh, sharp. Make the trades that you need to make. If you're struggling, get your best player off the roster. Get a haul back. If you're in a really strong position, go and acquire those really strong pieces. Even if it means leveling up a 3-4 win team, that's fine because if you've got the bigger piece, you'll you you'll be able to make do with the pieces that you'll shift uh, to acquire that big piece. So that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, don't forget, keep rushing.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.